Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Collarbach. This is episode 344 with Andrew Meyer. A little delay, you know, you had to put a shirt on. I I, I want to talk about this. I, at time to time, I'm going to go like this. You know why? Because I have a big beard and I just ate miso soup. And so my beard collects it like a sponge. So my, you know, my broadcast note is I will be doing this because miso soup is falling, you know, but I, what do you think of the beard? One to 10. Oh, that's a 10. That looks good, bro. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Happy Mother's Day. Did you call your mom today? No. Okay. I called my mom. She's a tough lady from Jersey. I told her I was having you on and she reminded me that she was escorted out of a city council meeting. Um, Chris Christie was the governor of New Jersey and he was very fat and he had the tendency to, I don't want to fat shame him. I'm not here to body shame anybody, but he would close a whole public park. So his two dumpy fat kids could go walk in it. And it's like, dude, I know you're the governor. I know you have the, you know, you can call a forest ranger, increase their pay and have your dumpy kid on a fucking secluded park. But it's like, dude, and then here's what happened. You do not do this to my mom. You do not cross my mom. You don't take her pension when she was a worker for, you know. So he's like, oh, 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 oh. the governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. I'm, I'm going to talk to you, Andrew. I, I just had a phone call with my mom. And um, oh, 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 resources, resources. She went to Rebel Rouse at a city council meeting and they dragged her out. Crazy. That's my mom. Happy Mother's Day. Where, where's your mom, Andrew? Florida. Hmm? In Florida. In Florida? That's where my mom is. Very okay. Nice. Um, so in the 2004 election, uh, there was a guy called Tim Russert, and he asked a very interesting question to John Kerry, and I have this clip here. You were both in skull and bone with the secret society. It's so sick that we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go, oh, sure they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the red Number 322. <laughs> uh, first of all, he's not the nominee. And, uh, but uh, look, I look for you. You prepare to lose. No, I'm not going to lose. Do you both were members of Skull and Bones, a secret society at Yale? What does that tell us? Uh, not much because it's a secret. <laughs> Is there a secret handshake? Is there a secret code? I wish there were something secret I could manifest. 322, a secret number? Uh, there are all kinds of secrets, Tim, but one thing is not a secret. I disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country. We can do a better job, and I intend to do it. And we'll be watching Be Safe on the Campaign Trail. John Kerry, thanks for joining us. And we'll be right back. Any reaction to that clip? Those are very good questions, you know? Tim Russert from uh, Meet the Press, he got a lot of respect for asking those questions. I got called names for asking that same question, but that's okay, you know? It's, uh, it's only okay for Tim Russert to do it. Well, it's not really okay because uh, it didn't go well for Tim Russert. What, do you think they, they killed him? Uh, I just have a clip here. I'm 
Pembroke, IMBC News, and it is my sad duty to report this afternoon that my friend and colleague, Tim Russert, the moderator of Meet the Press and NBC's Washington Bureau Chief, collapsed and died early this afternoon while at work at the NBC News Bureau. And so Tom Brokaw walks in to the snack department of NBC News. He's collapsed. Later, Tom Brokaw was mentioning how he, this guy's from Buffalo, New York. He would fly in Buffalo wings. He had a heart attack. He's from Buffalo. He would fly in every morning for breakfast, Buffalo wings, this fatty. Anyway, I found him in the, he just, this is a news clip I have to say. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I know that they have a heart attack gun. The uh, the CIA has a literal heart attack gun. So you can make the argument. I don't know if that if uh, Russert asking those questions was enough to get him axed. But, you know, I've heard the theory. Um, I don't know if uh, if they did it or not. I mean, there's some other people like, yeah, they definitely killed that guy. Tim Russert, I don't know. Washington. Tim had just returned from a family trip to Italy with his wife, Maureen Orth, the writer, and his son, Luke. They were celebrating Luke's graduation from Boston College just this spring. Tim, of course, has been the host of Meet the Press longer than any other person in that long-running television broadcast. And he has been a very familiar face on this network and throughout the world of political journalism as one of the premier political analysts and journalists of his time. Tim, 58 years old, grew up in Buffalo. And he wrote a number one best-selling New York Times book called Big Russ and Me about his childhood and especially about his relationship with his father, Big Russ. That was followed by another number one New York Times bestseller called The Wisdom of Our Fathers. That book was inspired by the many letters that he received from other children talking about their relationship with their fathers. This was one of the most important years in Tim's life for so many reasons. He loved this political campaign. He worked to the point of exhaustion so many weeks, not just on Meet the Press, but on MSNBC and with our colleague Brian Williams, of course, during the debates and on special coverage on NBC Nightly News. Tim was a true child of Buffalo and the blue collar roots in which he was raised for all of his success. He was always in touch with the ethos of that community. Just last week, he was back in Buffalo, moving his father from his home to another facility. His father now in his late 80s. Big Russ, it goes without saying, our heart goes out to him and all members of Tim's family. Tim loved his family, his faith, his country, politics. He loved the Buffalo Bills, the New York Yankees, and the Washington Nationals. He, of course, had season tickets to that team when they moved to Washington. We'll have additional details throughout the evening here on NBC News and MSNBC, of course. Ryan Williams will have continuing coverage. But to repeat, our beloved colleague, one of the premier journalists of our time, Tim Russert, died this afternoon after collapsing at work at the NBC News Bureau in Washington, D.C. MS in MSNBC stands for Microsoft. Uh, which I, I don't know if you heard this, Bill Gates is behind Microsoft. So MSNBC is Bill Gates' propaganda machine. Yeah. That's true. Although, uh, are they still owned? 
I think uh, I think NBC got uh, bought by Cox. No, Cox. Yeah, it's not the, well, same, the same ownership as when MSNBC started. They got big pockets, Cox. That's what I heard. Um, why is my not? I have to open. I have another clip here. Um, there was a lot of mourners that came out. You know, mourners of Tim Russert. They they even spoke at his funeral. Please work. It's not working. Why is this not working? I literally did a test. Ugh. Oh my God. This is incredible. President Bush Jr. came out and during the funeral and he gave the eulogy. Bush Jr. Of the Stone Bones. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He was the main MC. That is surprising. So you're in, uh, <laughs> you are in California right now, and you may, were made famous, sort of infamously, asking some questions to John Kerry that he didn't like asked. Um, can you describe this scenario as I pull the clip of this? Sure. Uh, I want to ask John Kerry questions about whether he was legitimately opposed to George W. Bush. At that point, I had determined that he was a fraud, that uh, Bush and Kerry were, in fact, in on the same globalist scams, uh, evil, destroying America for profit and power. And uh, I went there to ask him questions to expose that, uh, to get it on camera. And I think I did my job. I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah. And, but you were escorted out, you know, and it's like, it, it, you don't understand the significance until it happens to your mom. You know, my mom is like, our pension was stolen by Fatso and his stupid family. They just dragged her out of the place. It's like, wait a minute, this is a city council meeting. She signed up for her spot. This is an open forum. Like there's rules of engagement. And I understand it was advertised that he would be giving a lecture and then he wanted a questions. Yeah. And two minutes in, you ask questions and they drag you out. What does that say about tyranny? What does that say about democracy? Uh, it says a lot when people go to ask questions of politicians and they get dragged out. It says quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. They did it to your mom. I mean, you know, when, when it happens to me or Alex Jones, all right. It's sorry. When they do it to a nice old lady, which I, you know, I'm making some assumptions there. When, when they do it to a nice old lady, that's pretty messed up. I mean, she's very virile. You know, we still get in heated arguments, my mom. So, like, she's a little combative, you know. She sticks to her guns. She has integrity about it. Uh, you know, there, I do, you know, um, I'm involved with someone called Klaus Schwab Jr. I was an exchange student in Germany. Um, Klaus Schwab Jr. just talked at City Hall. And my mom was very concerned about this. And I interpreted her concern 
as not respecting my decisions. But what I think now, after talking to her today on Mother's Day, you know, is that she was dragged out of Chris Christie's, you know, uh, city council meeting in Mendham, New Jersey, because she rightly said, you just stole our pension, X, Y, and Z, our, our pay, it was all like type of stuff like that, where he was funneling money to the wrong co- things. So it was all like to do with that. And the, the thing that they reacted to this when she brought evidence was to drag her out. <laughs> and she was a state worker. It, it reminds me of someone in Scientology who's like, wait a minute, I have two questions about Elrond's uh, amphetamine use. And they just drag you out of the meeting. It's like, well, can we just, uh, you know, I don't know. What did that, did that shape you? Did that traumatize you and put you on a certain path? Uh, no, it didn't traumatize me, but it definitely uh, gave me uh, insight into how things go. So yeah, learned a lot from that situation for sure. Um, as far as putting me on a path, I would say I put myself on the path already. Uh, I was just totally against what was going on with the government. So uh, when there were additional opportunities for me to speak against it, work against what's going on, I mean, People like me and Alex Jones saw 15 years ago the stuff that everybody is now furious about now. Like, oh, wait, you know, they're, they're shutting down businesses. They're, they're trying to force people to take vaccines that might kill them. You know, there's all kind of things that people are seeing now that if you were reading the tea leaves correctly, if you were looking at the signs, it was obvious that our government was doing very, very evil things and would be willing to kill people for money uh, a long time ago. So... I just think it's now in people's faces. And as far as me being on a path, I put myself on that path. Uh, if anything, what happened to the, the University of Florida accelerated that. Uh, but I chose my own path for sure. So you were writing for the newspaper, the University of Florida newspaper. Here comes uh, someone who just lost the presidential election, was a secretary of state for a while. You go, hey, you're in Skull and Bones and there's election fraud. Those two points got you dragged out as an undergrad. Um, and I have conflicting reports. Was this 2007? Yeah. Okay. So Tim Russert unfortunately passed away right in 2005, right after they ratified, it was George Bush. He spoke at Tim Russert's funeral. Then Tim Russert, you know, after he won, he wins the presidency speaks at his funeral um i don't what's i'm a little freaked out andrew meyer because i have these clips and they they don't play for the first time but i do have your clip here from youtube that i'm streaming and this is what happened i'm being dragged out You go, is anybody going to stand up to me? You're getting dragged out. No, three cops, four cops. One of my guns. One of my guns. Get away from me, man. Get away from me. Get off of me. What did I do? What did I do? You're out of my What did I do? Ow! Ow! Get off of me. I didn't do anything. 
You asked two questions. You asked about election fraud, and then you said, were you in Skull and Bones? And I have two more questions. And you're holding a book. You read a whole book about the election fraud, and you're holding it. You're like, I have questions about this book. And also, it's like, this is an academic setting. You just heard him babble about nonsense for two hours. You were sitting in the pew waiting your turn to speak. And then you're dragged out by four cops and they tase you and they're all recording this and the NPCs and the stands, you know, don't quite understand the significance of what's happening. And you always think, oh, if I was a Nazi, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have burned all those Jews. Four people are arresting you. There's 200 people in the stands watching it, putting up with this tyranny. What if those 200 people decided to beat the shit out of the cops and then rip John Kerry from limb to limb? You know, it's like there's multiple operations with having fluoride in the water. Makes everyone a bunch of fucking pussies, dude. You know, my mom is like, you know, tougher than me. She gets dragged out of a city council meeting and then she shows up the next week going, hey, Chris Christie, what's up with this bullshit? You know, just making the sauce, Italian sauce, beating the shit out of me with the wooden spoon. I mean, it's like there's a certain breed of people that doesn't put up with bullshit. You're Italian? Half Italian, half German Irish. Um, So what has this, you know, I see your Twitter feed. I see what you're doing. You're living in California. What is what has been your path? You're a journalist now? Uh. I wasn't going to correct you, but you said it twice now. I would not live in California. I would definitely not want to be under the jurisdiction or on the electrical grid or any any of the things going on in California. I don't like to live around homeless tents. So, no, I do not live in California. Washington? Great state, 30 PST. You're Uh, you're living on PST. What state are you living in? Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would not not dare to live in uh, California. I know it's nice and like... uh, Huntington and Irvine and Laguna Beach, but I still wouldn't live in the state. I don't want to be under their jurisdiction. I don't want to pay their tax rate. I, I don't want to be anywhere near California. Um, what am I doing now? I'm working on a movie called Anti-White, which you could find at antiwhitemovie.com. I see you have degrees on the wall. That's true. Uh, yeah, the degrees are... Uh, you know, they look nice. Uh, I'm not really using them to make my movie or anything, but they look cool. But communications, I'm sh- I'm sure, from the University of Florida, journalism, communications, you have a certain understanding to get a narrative out there the certain way in print form and documentary form. Yeah, I don't know how much of that I learned from the university. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, the the best skills. In, in this day and age, it seems to be our self-taught. You can learn some things from some schools, but most schools, it's just a piece of paper. You got to teach yourself a lot. So uh, I guess the degree helped me in a certain sense, but um, the the movie itself, like uh, we have people that are just amazing, amazing at editing and uh, at shooting. So I'm not even doing that stuff. So the telecom degree is cool, but... Uh, I'm using more of my uh, my insight and in what's going on, shaping narrative, story, who the players are that can tell the story. 
that was uh, my number one contribution. I don't know how much of that was influenced by the telecom degree. The school for me uh, was mostly a place to figure out what I want to do. Um, and that was the least onerous degree. I even, I was in the journalism, like straight program before I switched to telecom. And in the journalism program, they made you work. They made you really work. It was really tough. And I was like, you know what? This degree is too hard for no reason. And I switched to an even easier degree. So that is what that degree is. It is, it is the path of least resistance at the University of Florida. It was just uh, a lot of fun. That's what that was. Yeah, fun in Florida. Yeah, man. I mean, I was there when uh, Tim Tebow was the quarterback and, uh, and the basketball team was winning titles. It was a great place to be at that time. I've been back since, and um, the student body is not the same. Uh, when I was there, it was a lot of fun. I wouldn't want to go there these days. I, I don't think I'd go to college at all at this point. I think I think the woke is too strong. But Where'd at you, that time, where, a, were you I, from Florida or were you from Arizona? Where are you from when you ended up there? Yeah, I was, I was I'm from Florida. So uh, by getting good grades, they gave me a free ride to Florida. So, OK, I'll take a free ride. You know what I mean? Uh, it was not very expensive to live there. So, sure, I'll take I'll take a free degree. That sounds like fun. Mm hmm. And it was hey. fun. I met some great people there. Just amazing people. What gave you the balls to stand up to the loser of the presidency? I, I've all, that's me, bro. I mean, if, if you know people that know me, like high school, whatever, I've always had big balls. You know, I get I get complimented on them quite a bit. You know, I get lots of compliments on my big balls. So I, it's only from God. I don't know what to say about that. God and I have a strong father that didn't take crap from anybody. So I guess that that's the only uh, <laughs> only credit I can give there. Um, so in I went to grad school for screenwriting at the University of New Orleans. And while I was there, I wrote a script called The Bonesman of the NSA. And I was inspired very much by this whole case and everything to do with Tim Russert. And when he asked that question, also, my dad was uh, working at wall street during 9 11 so i had certain like things go on but then when tim russer asked that question that's all i wanted to know i had read jim mars books i had read uh william schneblin's masonry behind the light and i go this is the exact question that this journalist needs to ask and then i saw them announce his death they kept saying buffalo i can't find this clip they scrubbed it but they did fat shame him and say this fatty got Wings from Buffalo. He ate them for breakfast every day. He was stressed out. We're mourning his death. Do you really think that a family man would fly on a private jet Buffalo wings from Buffalo every morning? No. They, when they said that, I go, they killed him. And then when I saw Bush Jr., who stole the election from Kerry, uh, in 2004, they st he stole it from Al Gore in 2000. This is the club that manifested that. This club, the Skull and Bones, there's something else going on with these people. I mean, you're making the case. It sounds like they were dancing on his grave. So you're making a strong case. They showed up to his funeral going, oh, we're the most sorry. That is the uh, alpha psychopath. What do you do when you were wrong? Do you double down on how the lie? That's what a psychopath is. That's what, like, clinically it is. When you're confronted with superior evidence, you triple down on your lie 
even though everyone in your inner circle knows the lie, you can't admit it. And that's very good in intelligence. Look, the CIA has top secret, super top secret, kill your family, top secret. We're doing hand jobs with aliens for like <laughs> hidden technology. I don't know how far it goes. I don't know. I watch all of Terry Cassidy's Project Camelot. And now every time I look outside, I'm like, I'm going to get abducted tonight. Look at this alien here. I don't know what's going on. But I look at people like you who has two questions. One guy was whacked for it three years before. That's why that happened to you, in my opinion. I'm this guy from the Internet who knows Frantic Missy. And by the way, Frantic Missy, big sweetie. I love her. So she set up this interview. Um, she gave me your email. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. She's cool. I like her too. Yeah. She researches all these uh, strange coincidences around celebrity deaths. So I think that's why, you know, some weird things happen. All of a sudden this person's dead. You know, she, you know. I think uh, that Anthony Bourdain was a recent one that I found very strange. That one, I, I didn't quite believe the story there. there. I think something was going on on that one. And if you look at his show, uh, Reservations About... Uh, What's the show? No reservations. He dies at the Chateau Hotel, right? The Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles on Sunset in his show. And then they're like, oh, you want to die like this? We'll make that happen. Crazy. In a hotel. Um, so anyway, Zoom is saying I have 10 minutes left with you. I have one more thing that I want to play. This is Dave Chappelle. This, I think, will work. You don't see that guy get tasered at John Kerry's speech on YouTube? That shit was the greatest shit of all time. He's like, don't you taser me, man! What is John Kerry saying there? Help this guy stop this. He said, oh no, please don't. No, don't, don't do that. And then he had a question, he was like, isn't that true, Senator Kerry, that you remember Skull and Crawford, a secret society with George Bush? I can't really, that's a very good question. And I'm gonna answer that question. <laughs> It goes like this, like you signal it to Secret Service. It yeah. goes like this. You get this guy. That's that's my safe word. Um, it's weird because now it seems like they've solved the problem. Your your situation, I think, woke up the establishment to a certain extent, and so they said, "Look, how do we solve this problem if they go?" to the public, the public is gonna rip them to shreds. 
There's roast battle comics in LA that are going to make all our presidential candidates look like complete fucking idiots. Joe Urell could make literally every senator and congressman look like shit. Robin Tran, all these people. Um, like there's like these skilled assassins of character out there. So they solve the problem. They go, let's get Joe Biden because look, he doesn't know where he is. I don't remember. <laughs> Plead the fifth. Your lawyer will always say, Plead the fifth. I don't know nothing. I don't know nobody. I don't know no witnesses. What witnesses? What are you talking about? Plead the fifth. Don't admit to anything. That's what every lawyer in the world will tell you. So they get, let's get a senile guy in there. That's a that's a good theory. I like that. You know, you can't you can't get anything out of old Joe when he doesn't know what's going on himself. He doesn't know where he is. That's a good point. They just like they bring him out. It's elder abuse. They bring him out of his like little cave. And there's like a 13 year old girl with ice cream. They make a little photo shoot. It's like, what are you doing? He goes back to sleep for two days. I, I pray for Joe Biden's health, to be honest, because I don't want any woman in that seat ever, especially a wicked witch like uh, the VP. So I pray for Joe Biden's health. We need Joe healthy for another couple of years. So stay healthy, Joe Biden. What do you mean no woman ever? I don't want a woman president. No way. I, I take Tulsi Gabbard, but then I hear that she's a, a young global leader. Like, But then she, Hillary calls her a Russian agent and all this bullshit. I don't know. Uh, Tulsi was a fan of these uh, those uh, Antifa at uh, Standing Rock or whatever it was. You know, the uh, the oil protest. Oh, don't dig a, uh, don't dig a pipeline. And she's like taking a fangirl photo with uh, the Antifa that were out there. So... I don't like Tulsi. She's against the Second Amendment. Not not a fan. Um, what is a positive 2030 timeline and what is a negative 2030 timeline? And then we only have five minutes, so I got to get you out of here because uh, I don't know. Zoom is maybe going to cut out. Do you see what I'm seeing? Yeah, I see it. Uh, I think a positive timeline. I like this question. Positive timeline is... Uh, they can't cheat big enough in 2022. Uh, actually, Republicans, there is a, a red wave that everyone's been predicting for forever. And then in 2024, we get DeSantis. I like DeSantis. I don't want Trump back in office. He was a vaccine salesman, not a fan. So if we can get DeSantis 2024 and we can get uh, a bunch of the rhinos shipped out of Congress, uh, we can prevent uh, all the famine they're trying to put in. You know, burning the food supply, burning the uh, the food processing plants. I think things can get back on track. I think by 2030, we could be living in the, the future that everybody always thought we would be, where it's like very nice, not this crazy dystopian land. A negative timeline would be if people don't pay attention to what's going on right now. So if you're listening, if, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, you will determine, are we living in the nice, wonderful future, you know, like back to the future too? Or are we living in uh, some dystopian future like Blade Runner 2049 or whatever that movie was called? You know, you you just, you decide the future, everybody. It's up to you. Back in uh, 2007, when maybe people had more robust uh, feelings about, at least they went to public school, some of them, and they got in fistfights at lunch. In 2007, they watched you get dragged out for asking John Kerry two questions. So do you have hope? Yeah. Or is there normies watching their screens going, 
give me the great reset you know alex jones is more popular than ever that is the best barometer i can talk about uh, alex jones is popular so people are waking up i mean the stuff's being put right in their face so more and more people are waking up uh, i definitely am hopeful for the future and people that say we can't win black pill this and that don't listen to doomers man we can absolutely win these people are not that smart like the soros and all these people they're not that smart they're not that powerful and they can end up in jail at the end of this movie it's it's up to us to actually do our part you know god helps those who help themselves we sit on our ass like the the QAnon people during the last election that were like oh trump's got a plan trust the plan if you just sit back and do nothing okay nothing's gonna happen but if you actually push for positive change wherever you can do it in your own life or telling people good things yeah, absolutely. We can win. We can beat these people. Those four cops were paid by the state to drag you out. And like, who's paying the paychecks of the military industrial complex? The white hats. Who are the white hats? They've all, they're all in the same system that they, if they were working in Florida that day, they would have, their job that day would be a goon to drag you out, to not ask John Kerry questions. Uh, there were seven cops that dragged me out, sir. All right. That's All right, I see four in the video. Okay. Made. Sorry. I got this grainy footage on YouTube, you know. I understand. I just, I want everybody uh, to be clear. Seven cops. It, it takes seven cops to take me down, okay? Look Not at this four. guy. That's right. That's right. It takes seven cops to take me out. It does break my heart that you didn't talk to your mom on Mother's Day. Is she, is she still with us? Where's she at? What's going on? She's with us. She's in Florida. She's doing her thing. God bless. Uh, my mom's in Florida too. Boy, is she a pistol. Boy, is she a pistol. I'm like, hey, mom, I just did this great thing. She's like, yeah, but all these things could have gone wrong with it. I'm like, I love you, mom. You know, uh, yeah. she makes the sauce the hard way. You know, she's got to get the wind spoon and then the beatings. It's like an ingredient, you know. I don't know. God bless her. But I'll tell you this. I meal prep today. I would never have food delivered. I go to the grocery store. I'm squeezing tomatoes. I know how to check for ripeness, like eggplants. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I know how to pot, spot, uh, you know, good produce in the grocery store. So I have that connection. Thanks, Mom. That's very nice, Eric. That's very sweet. All right, Andrew. Uh, go to the andrewmeyer.com. You have a book out. Don't taste me, bro. Real questions, fake news, and my life as a meme. It was banned by Amazon.com. Uh, on Twitter, the Andrew Meyer 3. You could go to ericollerbach.com. Uh, I have a sponsor, ACBD Remedy. Go to acbdremedy.com. Use promo code Eric for 20% off your order. Thanks to my guest, Andrew Meyer. Saying we have less than a minute. What's going on? Uh, I'll stop recording now.